0: Hey everybody! Welcome to. You We're born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Guilfoyle. We are a couple of missionaries at Acts Twenty Nine, and this is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. And Mary, I don't know anything more
1: transformative than a dead man coming out of a grave. <laughs> Happy Easter. Amen. Amen. Father John, Happy Easter to you. He is risen. Oh, he is risen
0: indeed, and we get to reflect on it uh, today. So what's our topic? Oh,
1: so, our, so our topic for today is, it's okay to stare. It's okay
0: to stare. All right, let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be with us as we enter into this glorious season that has begun. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Father, we just give you praise and thanks for the gift of Jesus, for his life, death, and glorious resurrection, for all that he has accomplished for us on the cross And by walking out of the tomb and trampling over death, and binding the strong man and reconciling us to you and proving to us by his total gift of self that you are love. Lord, we just ask that these days that we've begun, which now lasts for 50 in its entirety, that this would be a time of great festivity. Help us to continue to understand and to celebrate that life is forever changed, that the most significant event in the history of the world has already happened. Death has been defeated, and we have hope. We ask all these things in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So here
0: we are. Easter Monday. It's actually Easter Day still, right? So this is an octave, which That's is right. like that, you know, like long hand gesture on a piano key mm-hmm. or a piano board. It's it's eight days. The church knows how to celebrate. And unfortunately, yes, do. I don't know about you, I don't. I don't celebrate well. Like I'm great at Lent.
1: You said that, Father John. You shared that with us even last week. You are the rare one among us. Yeah, I don't know what
0: I like. I actually do. I, In a really strange, kind of perverse way, I love Lent. I love the discipline of Lent.
1: But you know what I think that is? I mean, we were talking about that the other day. Um, you are probably one of the most disciplined people I've ever known. In some things. I, I, I would say, by and large, most things. I mean, you have incredible discipline. I think you you enter into discipline more easily than some of us. So,
0: yeah, that might be part of it. And I think, you know, thinking maybe more profoundly, um, thanks for that. Um, although I have to say, I say to my confessor all the same, all the time, I am one of the most disciplined and undisciplined people that I know. Anyway, we'll not we'll go into that right now. Um, I don't think a lot of us know what joy
1: is. I would agree. I would agree with that. And you know why? So, so um, I thought about that actually driving here today to have this conversation. If we knew what joy was, we would look incredibly different. Yeah. We 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 don't look like a joyful people. We don't look like a happy people, and my, I mean, that's just so true. It, it, it's in the way we live. It's it, it's our countenance, and I would argue it's because like like we we don't know him. The way we should know Him, Jesus, right? I mean, I mean, I don't know if that's where you're going with this, but I think if we really had met Him, like our joy would be off the charts. We would be annoying. We would drive people crazy. Yeah,
0: I, I think that's part of it. It's a huge part of it. I think too. It's you know we're in this intermediate time of the already and the not yet, and so like the Lord's risen and yet like death still happens. We still, still, happens. We're the still in a battle. Is still a mess. The, you know, the the world's a mess. There's fighting in Israel. You know, the Ukraine. The people there are still going through all they're going through. And I have, I, I just don't, I get, I get glimpses every once in a while of joy, but I don't live in it well. I think that's why I have a hard time with Easter. So we we want to encourage us as we enter into mm-hmm. this season, and especially today as we reflect on Easter. Lord, just teach us. Well, there's the title, teach us to stare, right? Teach us how to celebrate. People always think, well, the church is really dour. And Christians can be really dour. But the church knows how to party, right? Like Easter isn't a day. It's it's not even eight days. It's a season it's that's 50, 50 days, days, right? Like yeah, it's not supposed to be, you know, like uh, a couple of Easter eggs, a bunny, and you know, have some chocolate. It's no, no, no. Like, how do you appropriately thank God for destroying death?
1: I know, I, I was telling you before we hit the record button that um, as I was looking back on my journal the last couple of days, on it was I think it was Friday. All I could say was, like in my journal, thank you, dear Jesus, comma new line, thank you. Like that's all I could possibly say. Right. And, you know, I, 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 I've, I, I've had, I, I've heard two divergent thoughts around like this season, right, that we're in. And I found this quote in a book I pulled off my shelf not long ago, and I don't know where it came from, uh, but the line is, what cannot be expressed should be left silent. And that's where I find myself like, what do you even say mm. in the face of like you said, you know, what the Lord has done for us, the fact that we've been rescued from, all that we've been rescued from. And then the other, on the other end of the spectrum is uh, that there really isn't enough, like we can't talk enough about what we're celebrating because it's the heart of our faith. It's changed our lives. It's changed the history of the world. So caught between those two places, like what do you say except thank you? And that's
0: every preacher's dilemma. Trust me. Oh, I, I cannot right. so, even imagine. I mean, we're, we're talking about that which yeah. is genuinely ineffable. It's not able to be put into words, and yet somehow we get, I have we to we get, get to you have to
1: get a homily right. So,
0: so let's let's try to do that right now. Let's try to let's try to concentrate our attention right now. We're gonna we want to look at an image, an icon, and we we want to reflect upon some things that are depicted in that icon and they all have to do with easter and they especially have to do with what we might call the the, the harrowing of okay. hell
1: Father John I can't wait for you to break this open because this was your homily last sunday I mean yesterday at so, easter mass and it was mighty
0: So let's let's just steer people in a couple of directions that might be helpful in case they're not familiar with some things So one place to go would be so some people pray the liturgy of the hours with the Divine Office, I know a lot. So priests and deacons, we we promise to pray it uh, every day. But I know a lot of lay people. You pray it, um, Albert prays it. There's a lot of folks who pray it all the time. If you're not familiar with the Liturgy of the Hours, this might be a good time to pick it up. You can actually get it now in an app. So that the Liturgy of the Hours used to be, still is actually four volumes with books and ribbons. And ribbons make everybody nervous because I don't know what page I'm supposed to be on. There's a great app called Ibreviary, I-B-R-E-V-I-A-R-Y. You can pull it up, download it right now. It's free, and you can pray this. This is the prayer of the church. So the whole church is sanctifying the day. That's the idea behind this. So you pray it at periodic times throughout the, uh, the course of 24 hours. Anyway, long way of getting to the... There's one section in the Liturgy of the Hours called the Office of Readings, which are um, two readings separated by a psalm. The first reading is always from Scripture. The second reading is either from a saint or from a document from the church. And the second reading on Holy Saturday is like everybody that I know's favorite reading in the Liturgy of the Hours. It says from an ancient homily. It's probably from a guy named St. Epiphanius whose nickname was the Hammer of the Heretics, which is just a cool <laughs> nickname, right? Like, I want to be the Hammer of the Heretics. Uh, anyway, it is an, a dynamo. It begins with, so this is Holy Saturday, something strange is happening today. And it goes on to talk about how um, the king has fallen asleep and hell trembles in fear. And then it just goes from there. It's just a killer homily.
1: Yeah, it it is uh, very, very, very powerful. And uh, as I was praying with that homily um, on Saturday, I thought like this is this is Jesus. Like, like this is the Jesus that you, in a particular way, break open in the rescue project. This warrior Jesus who descends into hell, and yeah. I, I thought to myself, like, like this is the, this is the Jesus I need to know. This is a warrior that I can follow. It's yeah. just such a, That's such right. a, a, a mighty homily, and yeah. It's just, and I got
0: it from them. They didn't get it from me, just to be mm-hmm. clear. But and then so later uh, in the liturgy of the hours for evening prayer. There are always Psalms and canticles and then some readings as well and petitions. And there's antiphons bef- before each of the Psalms and canticles. And the antiphon for Holy Saturday is this is Jesus talking. This is the antiphon. Like, talk about transformative, right? Death, you shall die in me, and hell, you shall be destroyed by me. That's what we're celebrating, people, right? Like this is like what I often refer to as the trash-talking mm-hmm. Jesus. This he, is
1: jaw-dropping.
0: Yeah, Jesus is yeah. taunting death, right? Like death, where's your victory? But it, it's even it's even stronger than what we read in 1 Corinthians 15. It's hell, you shall be destroyed in me. So those are a couple of places to look. The Liturgy of the Hours, second reading, from the Divine Office on Holy Saturday and then the anaphons for Evening Prayer of Holy Saturday. But we have just outside our chapel, like decorating the whole wall. It's literally floor to ceiling, wall to wall. It's
1: massive and it's glorious. An
0: icon, which is known as the Anastasis. Mm -hmm. So if you're not driving right now, stop, hit pause. Google Anastasis icon, A-N-A-S-T-A-S-I-S. If you're driving, don't do that. Wait till you get home but we can't encourage you enough this week to pray with this icon. Just stare at it. Linger at it. Look at it. And we'll say why in just a second. So this icon is, we're not sure when it first shows up. It's the favorite icon of the Eastern Church. Sometime maybe around the 6th or 7th century. And I was praying with it. It's, it's what I preached on yesterday. And I was praying. I was so struck. I've always loved this. So it shows Jesus leading Adam and Eve out of hell. So he's standing on Satan, who's now bound. And he's bringing out of hell all those who have been captive, because that's what Jesus has come to do. He's come, among other things, he's come to rescue us from the grip of the strong man, right? And I was praying with it because as I was praying with the icon and just doing some research on it, I was blown away by—I just love the fact that every time you study, there's, God just mm-hmm. gives you more wow moments, right? The connection between this icon and something that I don't think most of us ever pay enough attention to at either the Easter Vigil or at Easter Sunday Mass, which is the renewal of baptismal promises— so we usually just fly through those, right? It's kind of funny because the priest is walking around or the deacon, he's got the branch in his hand, he's getting everybody getting wet, soaked, you know? Right. People with their glasses are taking their glasses off. And I always made a big point to get like a huge branch and just soak people, right? If I could use a super soaker, I would do it, but I would be afraid <laughs> it would be irreverent. So here's the, here's the idea. So in this icon, it, there's, I think, four different depictions of the icon, So an icon, maybe people don't know this, an icon isn't a painting. So you would say actually an icon is written. And an icon is um, like a sacrament in the sense that it's meant to be a window into a mystery. It makes the mystery present. So to pray in front of this icon is to have the mystery of Jesus' liberation of hell and the binding of the strong man present. That's one of the reasons why icons are so powerful. So in two of the depictions of uh, the Anastasis, Jesus is always holding a cross in his hands, but the placement of the cross changes. So in one of the depictions, it's in front of him as if he's leading a parade. In the other one, it's between him and Adam. So as I was reading about this and, and then praying with it, so this comes from the Roman legion. So the early church always made use of, you know, the language and the imagery of the empire. That's where the, you know, the church is is born at the time of the Roman empire. And it's almost like those things were seeds of the faith, right? So like words like basilica, that's a, that's a Roman word for, you know, a particular meeting place or curia. Those are Roman words, which the church used. So in the Roman in, you know, Rome conquers because of its army, the Roman legion, and a recruit became a soldier after making an oath, which, get this, was called a sacramentum.
1: When you shared that yesterday in your homily, my jaw dropped. I thought, how can it be? I did not know that.
0: Exactly, right? So these are the things we just, holy. Yeah, cow. Yeah, what's a sacrament? So, so a sacrament, the oath was taken, the sacramentum was taken by the recruit in front of what they would call uh, either a standard or a sign. So think pennant, you know, think a flag with an image on it. And it might be like the 12th legion or the 24th legion or the 16th legion. And it's, you know, it's got a picture of a bear or an eagle or whatever. So they would hold up the sign to the recruits and, and he would make an oath. And then from that moment on, he was now a soldier. And that meant he was to advance with the Roman army to take territory for the army. Well that's the origin of what's in that icon and that's also what we're doing in the renewal of baptismal promises because the baptismal promises that we make we make we renew every year and the Roman oath was the Roman oath was renewed annually On the anniversary of the emperor coming into power. Well, that's what we're doing at Easter, right? Like Jesus, we're celebrating the anniversary of his triumph and of his becoming the emperor of the whole universe. So when we say those words, you know, when the priest says to us or the bishop says to us, Do you renounce Satan? and all his empty works, and all his pro- lies. Do you believe in my Father? Do you believe in me? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? When when those promises are being asked of us to make, we're realistic like yeah, in the king's army.
1: Th- th- this is, um, there's so much here, Father John. So this is our opportunity every year to pledge an allegiance to the Warrior King Jesus, exactly. Right? And and um, when our daughter was just a little tyke, and my husband was in the Marine Corps, um, he would teach her how to salute, you know, mm. and uh, and um, she would sing this song. I, I taught her how to sing this Bible song, but the but the refrain in the little children's Bible song is, "I'm in the Lord's army, yeah. yes, sir." Yeah, and that's really what we're saying, really. Should be every single day. Every day, like I'm in the Lord's army, and and if the truth be told, I mean, if you go to mass every day, you pray your rosary, you're you're, we're praying the Apostles' Creed. Mm -hmm. But as I'm just listening to you talk, I'm thinking I would do well, recognizing that every day, as soon as my feet hit the floor, I'm in a battle. Yep. Right, like the Christian life is not a dream. We are. We are in. in, in, in a battle, I would do well every day to say, to, to pose in prayer to myself, Mary, do you renounce Satan? Yeah. Yes. And all his works. Yes. And all his empty promises. Yes. You know, those are, like you said, I mean, it just kind of rolls off our tongue. We do it every year, but oh my goodness, there's such There's such need, at least for me, to be reminded.
0: I I, I agree. I I think I spoke a couple weeks ago that one of the books I've been reading during Lent is this Spiritual Combat book, which is a book that Francis de Sales apparently used to read every day. And one of the takeaways for me in that is the author just says, we need to wake up every day with the mentality of a soldier in a foxhole Mm. and recognize that I have two choices today. I fight or I die. And, and again, you know, like people freak out at language like this because we don't like this, but we're in a battle. But just remember, the battle is, is with Satan and with Hell. It's not with any human being, right? And and our weapons are not the weapons that people get concerned about. Our weapons are suffering and love and the cross and dignity and Amen. mercy and forgiveness. Those those are the those are the weapons that we have, right? And if I can say just real quick, Good Friday. I was um, participating in the Stations of the Cross at the parish where I live, but I was kind of standing in a hallway vested for the uh, liturgy that was about to start. But I was just standing back there so I could pray. And I just kept staring at the crucifix. And I couldn't agree more with what you said. Like, There's something about praying the creed which can just become rote for us. But to hear it in questions being asked of me, and I kept staring at Jesus on the cross, and it was if he was asking, just like the Roman legion would ask the recruit those questions, and like you can't mouth those. You either mean them or you don't. I could hear the Lord Mm. from the cross just saying, John, do you renounce Satan? Mm. Do you turn your back on him and all his tricks? You know, do you believe in my father? Do you believe in me? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? And I'm just like, yes, Lord, like you're my captain, you're my king, you're my Lord, you're my emperor, you're my God, you know, you're my friend. I will follow you wherever you want. There's something about seeing the renewal of the baptismal promises that we made yesterday or that we made on Holy Saturday, not being asked of us by the celebrant, but by the one that the Mm -hmm. celebrant is making present. God is asking those questions to us. You And again, I can't mouth them.
1: And... and It is the Lord who's asking us those questions, which makes it very clear. We are having, we're at a moment of decision. Whose side are you on? Right. You know, what side are are you taking? When you realize there's actually two sides, I can either lend my ear to the enemy, the father of lies, the one who has a very, very different plan for my life, or I can... I can say, yes, Lord, to, to, to all those questions that you just posed. You're choosing a side That's right. as we do that.
0: And, and so just to finish the thought on the Anastasis icon, so the placement of the of the cross or the sign or the standard or the pennant fluctuates. Sometimes it's between Jesus and Adam, and it's between them as if Jesus is saying to Adam, will you, do you believe And do you renounce? And then if so, get in line, because we're getting out of here. And other times, the standard of the cross is in front of Jesus as if he's leading a parade, and he is. And that too comes from the Roman legion. It's a triumph. It's what St. Paul is talking about in Colossians 2, where God has disarmed the principalities and powers, making a public spectacle of them, humiliating them, Triumphing over them, and we've talked about that in the rescue project and other places. This is a massive parade, and the Lord is leading us in triumph. He's already defeated the strong man, He's already defeated the power of death, He's already defeated the power of sin, and now He's asking us, and especially in the season of Easter, to enter into the celebratory parade. And so, you know you have this title, you know, it's okay to stare. I don't know about you, we were talking a little bit about this before we hit record. I have this constant tension that I live in, especially when I'm preaching mm. of we always want to make something practical. You know, if a friend of mine says, you know, so what now what? And I I usually wholeheartedly agree with this. Not today. And not this week. I think sometimes we're in too big of a hurry to go, what do I do with this? And sometimes I think you're just supposed to stare yeah. and let your jaw hit the floor and gape in awe and wonder at what God has done for us. And this is one of those times. Yeah. And, and so the the encouragement this week is find that Anastasis icon, you know, Put it as a screensaver on your phone or your iPad or your computer. Pull it up in prayer and just linger with it and stare at what God has done for you and for me.
1: I love it, Father John. You know, I'm just thinking about you know that freeze frame. Mm. You know, you often say uh, that our minds are the best camera, right? And just to be able to engage the mind on that image that forever changed our life. Right. Changed all of world history. Changes everything. What could you possibly say or do? Right. Other than just to say, gosh, Laura, I want to spend time with you. I just love you. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Right. Thank you, Jesus. There's probably some Jesus. really
0: awesome technology that's going to be invented in the next few years that we don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. It's not going to change your life. God becoming a man. Defeating death, binding the strong man, making atonement for our sins. That changes my life. Changes everything. Linger with it, right? Give thanks to God. It's okay. Ask him, Lord, amaze me and help me to know this was all personal. So brothers and sisters, this week of all weeks, just, actually I was going to say get on your knees, but in the Easter season, in the early church, you were forbidden from kneeling because it's a penitential gesture. Stand up and raise your hands and look at the Lord Mm -hmm. on the cross and risen from the cross and from the tomb and thank him like you've never thanked him before. And just linger at what he's done for us. It's okay to stare at God's great love. And it's all true, people. Death does not win. And the enemy does not have us. And sin has been atoned for. You and I can start over again. So do not be afraid. The God who did all of that is with you. And you were born for this.